0: A start On demand. On demand.
1: Here's the headline from China. China limits children to no more than three hours of video games a week. This is a change that is taking effect and it got us thinking about a lot of things today, including our eyesight is the increased screen time that has likely occurred over the last 18 months hurting our eyes. And it also had us looking back to times when we were kids when our parents would toss us outside to get some fresh air. Meanwhile, it's International Overdose Awareness Day. So we spoke to the Aurora Recovery Center to find out what are the latest concerns in Manitoba. And it's massive disappointment, courtesy of McDonald's. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling, who's on vacation, and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, August 31st podcast for The Start. Mackling McGarry McNabb. Mackling is off this week. Loren, uh, yesterday we both talked about how we came in. Happy, you know, pepping our step. The Bombers won on Sunday night. I came in yesterday off like three hours sleep, but it didn't matter. Guns blazing. I was hyper-focused, in a great mood, and uh, it's funny how quickly things can get derailed because I came in today after having been warned yesterday uh, by our engineer, Sarah, Uh, and this is in no way a criticism of our engineers, John, Mike, and Sarah, they do such tremendous work. We would, we would be lost without them, but she warned me yesterday. She's been working on my computer. Uh, she replaced it a couple of months ago and it's had gremlins. So she's been tinkering with it and told me she had to change something, but it might be wonky. She warned me. It might be wonky tomorrow. And sure enough, it's, it's wonky. Um, Almost everything's working, but there's one crucial thing that is not working. So I had to move. I had to relocate to a different spot.
2: Oh, are you in a different seat or like a fully different, like, space?
1: I'm in just a different seat in the studio.
2: It's Uh, funny how we can't even say whose seat you're sitting in because we never have all sat there together. Like, are you in my (laughs) seat, Greg's seat? Doesn't matter. We've never sat there together. (laughs)
1: No, we sat here in training (laughs) and that's it. Um,
2: Like, in theory, you're in Greg's seat is my guess. uh,
1: Richard's. Richard, I have no
2: idea which one. I don't even know what that means. That's means the main one. It's to me.
1: <laughs> it's the, the mic one. How's that? Mic
2: one. That still doesn't... You know I don't know that. <laughs> you know okay. I'll come back to work eventually and you'll be like, Loren, you're mic three. I'll be like, Brett, not in charge here. Okay?
1: Like, a, usually I sit where you would have sat if the three of us were in studio. Uh, but now I've moved to where I would have sat originally, which is fine. But that's, you know, when you... You, I have an expectation that I'm going to come in, sit down at the spot I'm usually sitting in, and now I can't. I've wasted 15 minutes trying to figure out what's going on in the computer. Then I got to move over and get set up, and it was like I was pressing reset and starting over, and uh, just it completely derailed me. My mind is that fragile that it it, it ca-
2: caused me to fall off the track, and because uh, it's my spot. Yeah, I get it. Like if it if things, it's like when you get uh, into a car and you're used to sitting in a certain. Seat or you know a pen. It could be as simple as a pen that you like that you write with, right? Or the blanket that you watch a movie with and it's notes. It's in the wash. I don't know. There's just little things that you expect, and now it feels like you're probably writing with your left hand.
1: That's right. Yeah. When the pen, when the pen whenever the pen dies, that's always kind of a sad moment. To? Yeah, because <laughs> you got you get used to this pen that you've been using for you know I don't know a couple of months, six months, a year, and then it finally goes. Like the uh, last week, I couldn't. There was a. Uh, Early last week, I think it was on Monday, I couldn't find my pen. I thought somebody had taken it. Uh, It looked like somebody had used it. It was just, it was hiding in this weird, random spot uh, on our in our studio here, and I couldn't find it. But yeah, I was completely derailed for. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah.
2: Like, you know which pen is yours, then you're pacing for your pen. I'm going to take your pen first day I'm in there.
1: <laughs> well, you said – you told us recently that you that you, you take pens. I'm the pens. thief.
2: I'm the office thief. <laughs> I don't, I'm looking around right now for a pen. I just had to – the kids and I just labeled all their school supplies a few days ago. And you have to, like, when they're little, label every single one individually. Um, like, every pencil, crayon, every marker, every cra- every pencil. Like, so it's hundreds of labels. And I was thinking, I wonder if people in the office ever consider doing this. And like, then you could be like, it says right here, Brett M. Loren. This is clearly my pen. I don't, oh, I didn't see that. Really? It's bedazzled. And it's sparkling. You missed that label? I did.
1: Well, I would I would imagine the bedazzled would just make it more attractive I'd to be to stolen.
2: I'd have de- oh, Does this pen do something special? Why is it got special little diamond bedazzlers mm-hmm. on there?
1: Uh, but do you do you have a... A spot at home, like, do you have a, a spot on the couch or a chair where it's like that's my spot? Get out.
2: Yeah, and it's actually everyone's spot, so it's impossible to snag. Like, you have to get there first because the one of the the main couch upstairs uh, has kind of a longer section on one of the seats. You know, like it kicks out a bit, like a, kind of like an ottoman that's been attached to it. You know how the couch is almost like a sectional, but it's not. It's sort of just a bigger end. I have a hard time explaining this, but everyone can stretch out on there and. So if you get up to go watch TV in the morning or put the news on at night or a movie, that's the spot for everybody. And so if you come around the corner, like, that's a, well, watch a movie together and someone's already there. You try to like squeeze, your, I'm just going to squeeze in here, just see if I can fit in. And you're annoyed because you can't watch TV the same then. And then you feel like your head's all at a different angle and you're looking at it wrong. And you're like, ah! It's not working for me. <laughs> uh,
1: and, and even at the pub, I've got a spot. Like it, when, we, when it reopened and we had to be physically distanced while we were sitting at the bar, I sat in the middle, and my friend who comes every Friday sat at the end. Uh, we don't have to do that anymore, but we still sit in those same spots, even if there's no one else there. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were joined by uh, Greg showed up and Gabby showed up. And then Greg says, oh, well, Brett's just going to slide down. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not leaving my spot. You're, you can slide down if you want, but I'm staying right here, dude. <laughs> so if you have a story about your spot, feel free to weigh in on that at 204-780-6868. Also, we've got to men- mention that uh, we got the email this morning From the Farmer's Almanac.
2: Yes, and depending how you look at the almanac, it might be more just a thing that you reference once in a while, or it could be something that you take seriously. But the 2022 Old Farmer's Almanac says Canada should prepare to weather the storms Mm. as we head into this winter so that our winter will be punctuated by a series of storms. Leaving Canadians snowed in, sleeted on, slashed about, soaked, and otherwise generally soggy. Someone worked hard on that alliteration there with all those S's. The best part about this, though, if I look at their map, so this is where this is where you get to decide, right? You know how you see the almanac and you're like, ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it this year. Yep. It has Manitoba under mild wet, and Ontario under cold and wet. So. Tough luck, Ontario. Always looks okay.
1: (laughs) It looks like they're calling for uh, major snowstorms are predicted for the prairies in late November, mid-January, and early March. The only place in Canada that won't have many storms to weather is British Columbia, which should expect below-average precipitation and above-average temperatures throughout the season. Well, hooray for British Columbia. I
2: mean, it feels like anyone could have written that at that point, you know? (laughs) No offense to the Almanac people, but like it's going to snow in Manitoba and it's going to be warmer in BC. Like,
1: thanks for the, thanks for the, update. also, you
2: should drink water. It's good for you. <laughs>
1: McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is off this week, and this is the music from Super Mario Kart. And I'm playing video game music because, Loren, this is a headline that will likely send fear into the hearts of kids all over the world.
2: <laughs> I have to tell you, after I read it, my kids are on the way to hockey and I phoned them in the car with their dad to tell them about this one just to say, you know what? This this could come to a country near you. But here's the headline <laughs> at globalnews.ca. China is limiting children to no more than three hours of video games per week. Wow. So China already had a rule in place, I didn't actually know this, that restricted online video gaming to 90 minutes per day and three hours on a holiday. Well, now, Brett, it's tightening those restrictions so that gamers under 18 can only play online, which is where you find most of the games these days. It's not like when we were kids, and you could still put a disc in or a little, what do you call it? Cartridge. Cartridge or whatever. You can still get games that way, but so much of it is online. And so now in China, here's the deal. You get to play from 8 to 9 p.m., Friday, Saturday, (laughs) Sunday night. So that's a maximum of one hour a night for three nights.
1: So this is coming from China's state-run media, and Chinese officials say they made the decision amid growing concern over video game addiction among teens. According to reports, parents and children will not be the ones who face punishment for breaking the rules. Instead, China will require all video game companies that operate in the country to set up real-name verification players so that children can't break the rules by using fake accounts.
2: Now, so, I, f- I feel like kids will come up with a way to figure this out, but, um, and there's part of me, and when I said this to you, Brett, I was like, ah, it is China, and there, this could also just be about more state control, and you don't want them to have so much access to any online content, period. But they're talking about the idea that, you know, kids are online far too much, and the quote was, this will protect the physical and mental health Of their children. So, yeah, that's where I was going to take it today because China has all sorts of tightly controlled censors. They have restrictions on all sorts of content. And, of course, they're used to censor free speech. And there's a lot of issues around that. Even karaoke songs, right, like will get censored so that they're not, you know, teaching people. Oh, some for sure, yeah. So it could be anything from, like, cartoons to karaoke songs that will go through to make sure that, you know, it fits sort of what they want people to learn. But the online gaming addiction. I think this year of all years, for sure, there are many households that have seen their kids go online far more than usual.
1: Yeah. So I, we got a couple of things to talk about on this today at eight o'clock. Uh, and I see you, Oh, you booked somebody from the place I go four eyes oh, optical. Good. Yeah. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, how screen time, less outdoor time could be causing sight problems in kids. And in our, Segment at six forty five where we're gonna give away Benjable tickets later on based on your text messages. We wanna know about a time your parents used to throw you outside. For me, Loren, it was video games. Brett, stop playing video games. Get outside. No, mom, I wanna play more <laughs> Nintendo.
2: <laughs> For me, we had I think I've told the story before. It was the T V period. It was taken away at two different sports spaces in our life for six months at a time oh. TV was pulled right out of the living room the quote was this is turning your brain to cauliflower from my dad and we had no TV and we only had three channels to begin with and we all did fairly well in school and played sports and stuff but it was just it drove my parents nuts to see us sitting in front of a TV like zombies and so yeah oh that's that this is an argument daily in this house turn that off and go outside. <laughs> And then I'll pull out my own phone and watch some Netflix while they're outside.
1: Starting September 3rd, there will be quite a list of things that unvaccinated people in Manitoba won't be able to do. The province's top doctor says it's not punishment but rather the only safe way to move forward. That's Dr. Brent Rusin. Dr. Joss Reimer, meanwhile, with the Vaccine Task Force, is continuing to try to share the message on how the vaccine can help.
2: Amongst those who are infected after uh, being vaccinated, they're uh, experiencing much lower um, risk of severe outcomes. So we know we had Dr. Reimer on our show just after nine yesterday, Brett, and she stressed then and then again at the news conference a few hours later that breakthrough infections can happen. There are conversations around the possibility of uh, booster shots. I think you asked the question, well, could we see a third shot? And she said for potentially those who might be immunocompromised or other, um, but she also said that vaccinated people who contract the virus are still much likely, less likely to spread it to others and less likely to have severe outcomes. And so while there were thousands who were quick to decide, make that vaccine choice this year, others have been waiting on that decision. Global's Abigail Turner went out and spoke to one man who's trying to lead the way for his family.
3: He's been unsure until now. Ramon Young decided Monday would be the day he would get his COVID-19 vaccine.
4: There's a lot of opinions uh, with the different people, right? Some people say their vaccine is, uh, is good. some people say vaccines not, not as helpful, but for my own opinion, I did decide that yes, vaccine is helpful for the public health.
3: Young is the first person in his family to get the vaccine, and says they've been waiting to see if there's any adverse side effects from it before making a decision.
4: I do read some articles and some uh, ask some friends how you feel about your uh, vaccinated. Some of them they do have some minor uh, symptoms, but it's not really, uh, really, really a big deal. So that one gave me the confidence that yeah, the vaccine is the uh, there's nothing wrong with the with the vaccines.
3: The province is hoping more people, like Young, decide to roll up their sleeves to boost vaccine rates above the 76.7% of Manitobans with both shots as we head into a fall fourth wave. But Carolyn Clausen from Conexus Counseling says making a decision like this can be difficult.
2: I think often we feel like we're, our, our self-worth is going to be evaluated on how right we are Uh, And so then to change our minds feels really vulnerable. So it can
5: be really difficult.
3: For Young, he believes he's paving the path for the rest of his family.
4: I believe they will will eventually get vaccinated. I'm sure they want to see how I'm reacting with the vaccine.
2: We need other people who we love and care about, even if they think differently than we do. We need those connections in order to be able to move through this time of stress
5: and difficulty.
3: Abigail Turner, Global News.
2: So there's lots of people who are, you know, I'm I'm curious now if anything that was announced last week, last Friday, Brett will have people, you know, putting up their hand or making those appointments this week. It, you know, there's some talk that this is the way to encourage people by making this list of things you can't do that might encourage more people to get the vaccine. And there are those in some communities that will say that it's doing the opposite. It's actually making them... um double down for lack of a better term. And so I, I'd like, I, I'm, I'll be curious to see the numbers at the end of this week when it comes to the number of vaccines that were handed out from last Friday when that announcement is made to this Friday when those restrictions go into effect, because I think that if that's the point then we want to see some sort of change on those numbers
1: yeah i know on saturday i was at safeway saturday evening and there was a young guy who was sitting outside the pharmacy and he was sitting there with a clipboard so it looked like he was filling out his form to get his vaccine so we're seeing uh, some people being motivated by that i'm sure and in listening to abigail's story where he said they they were waiting to see if there were adverse effects and i know that that's what a lot of people are are doing they're not anti-vax are not anti-covid they're just being cautious they want to see if there are adverse side effects because a lot of people are concerned at how quickly these vaccines are rolled out and i know the scientists and doctors have have done their best to try to assuage those fears but i can i can understand that because this it did kind of happen sort of overnight i know it was a global effort to to get this done quickly it was kind of an unprecedented uh achievement really but uh And So I ran out as soon as they they we were eligible. I had my I had a needle in my arm two hours after they announced that we were eligible. But for others, they just want to wait. And many are just taking steps to keep themselves sort of isolated and safe.
2: Yeah, it might be it, that that might be a big part of it, Brett. You know, I think it was about a year ago when we first started talking about um where they were. I mean, we talked about vaccines all along and that was going to be the what we needed to do to get out of this, according to the, so many experts. But it was about a year ago. I remember when they first started um talking about the timelines and when we'd see it. And I remember thinking, oh, I won't have to make that decision for at least a year. So I was thinking around this time this year we might have something in Manitoba that we'd be considering. And so for many, maybe it's just, you know, when that they came on the scene, it was like, whoa, I'm not ready for this. This seems fast. I need more information. Some people are waiting for more trials. Some people are still struggling to see what's going on in different parts of the world and are looking at different infection rates in different countries and wondering, you know, uh, about how it's working. And then there's just going to be people who just outright don't believe in it and don't want to take it at all. So I, I, again, I'm curious just to see if this has any impact on the uptake in the next five, six days, two weeks depending on how long this goes on. By
1: the way, Manitoba reporting 213 new cases of COVID-19 since Thursday. Of the 34 new cases yesterday, health officials say 25 were in unvaccinated individuals. There are now 503 active virus cases but no new deaths were reported so the death toll remains at 1,189. 65 people are in hospitals across Manitoba including 18 in intensive care and the provincial test positivity rate is at 3% and at 1 0.6% in Winnipeg and also revealed yesterday uh, Manitobans can now request an immunization card even if they don't have a Manitoba health card province says you'll still need two doses of Pfizer Moderna or AstraZeneca with a final dose more than 14 days prior to the request and for the Johnson and Johnson vaccine only a single dose is is needed to re- request the card. So anybody who got a shot outside the province would also need to submit proof to public health. And uh, also a reminder, yesterday was the last day for appointments at the Leela super site, but the RBC Convention Centre remains open. But that's good news that uh, those without a health card can uh, at least get an immunisation card now.
2: Yeah, I think that'll make the process a little bit easier. I'm wondering what people have been using or asked to show. It was actually just at the bomber game was the first time I've had to show anything And it was the code they wanted to see, right? Yeah. I haven't uh, flashed that card anywhere. So it depends if you don't have a phone, right? You need that card. And if you don't, if you're not comfortable with the apps, I have to tell you, I was in a full, like, I'm too old for this panic trying to load up (laughs) tickets on my Apple wallet and like my (laughs) QR code. And I was just sweating, like just, and then I get there and she says, I just need to see some ID. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, <laughs> trying to dig my wallet for my ID, and my husband's just staying They're like, What's your deal? And I was like, Can I show you my Costco card? And she just looked at me like, uh, You gotta be more prepared than me, is basically the moral of the story.
1: Gary and McNabb, Mackling is off this week. We want to give Banjo Bowl tickets away, and we're going to talk about the times our parents used to chuck us outside. And, Loren, uh, for those just tuning in, this is inspired by a conversation we had at 6.15.
2: Yeah, so China has basically said, uh, you want to play the video games? Too bad. You were limiting kids in that country to no more than three hours of video games a week. And there will be kids, and sometimes in this home, that might be their daily daily uh time spent on a screen might not all be video games but three hours per week one hour friday saturday sunday night and that's it they want to cut down on kids uh well they want to probably cut down on a lot of things in china but the message that they're sending is don't play video games they're bad for you so outside
1: that got us thinking about the times that, you know, what did your mom and dad chase you outside for? Was it video games? Were you watching too much TV? Were you just playing with your Transformers too much? I don't know. All, all, could be all of the above. But is there a, a particular moment in time that you recall? Tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win. Cameron Poitras, let's start with you. Tell us a story.
0: Well, you know, I, I, I would spend, especially like in junior high and high school, I would spend probably more than three hours a day playing video games, uh, and that was like everybody in my house. My brothers, uh, my two brothers, absolutely. But I, I always had like a time where I'm like, okay, I've had enough, and I've had this since I've been a kid where I'd be like, all right, I played four hours. I'm I'm starting to become bored of this. I'm starting to become exhausted of this. I can I can put it away and, and do something else not the case for a lot of my friends who could play for 14, 15, 16 hours some of them still do this to this day and close to 30 years old um, one one in particular a friend of mine his brother had a friend over and they were in the basement and i think it was about they were it was like it was 24 hours over 24 hours straight playing and he his dad rightfully so i'm totally on his dad's side lost it he went in there and uh, sm- smashed the computer cuz he just he, he had enough of it. It was it was like week it was a week on end of these 24-hour marathons, uh, a couple hours sleep and he just had enough and I he was right to do it. Wow.
1: Dad it, smash. Yeah, it was it was it <laughs> got to
0: the point of insanity.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's a long time to play video games. I, I don't think I could do that. No, I don't know how people do that. Like it's
0: mind numbing, but but I, I still love to play video games. I still do. Mr. Braun.
6: Yeah, I never did a 24-hour marathon, but I did a couple of all-nighters uh, playing Contra in the original NES, ah, when yes. grade five or six, that sort of thing. And yeah, my parents, of course, they'd kick you out after, if you watch TV for a couple hours, they're like, turn it off, go outside, do something fun. Uh, I had a buddy, though, who's, they didn't have a remote for their TV, so uh, as, as soon as the school year ended, his mom would just take the knobs off the TV <laughs> and hide them. and <laughs> And just leave them off until September. Like, you're like, summertime, go outside, no TV. And uh, and my girlfriend actually, you know, in the more modern age, they do have remotes and, of course, video game controllers. And we'll go out on a date night or whatever, and her purse will just be, you know, bulking out. And I was like, what do you got in there? And she's like, all the remotes and the video game controllers.
0: Wow. And TVs yeah. don't even have buttons anymore. Ever want, like don't, I can't find a button on a TV anymore. They're it's, on the side. They slide. are on the back. If, if I can't find the remote yeah. Not for, everyone. No,
2: they're not. They're not. They're magicals buttons. I don't know where they are on my upstairs TV. <laughs> I'm constantly like if looking if for I them. can't find that remote, it stays on for hours. I have no clue how to turn it off unless I <laughs> unplug it.
1: Yeah, you know what? I, when I got my new TV, I don't know that I ever checked to see if it has uh, any hard, hard buttons. Because you're right. And I'm like, we've got a bunch of TVs in, in this studio here. And I... I wouldn't even... Yeah, I'll have to check. There's, like, one
0: single button on the bottom. You have to hold it and then, like, press it three times. Uh, It's ridiculous.
1: Okay. Uh, Forte, what about you?
4: Sorry, just uh, hearing about hiding the knobs. My uh, buddy's mom used to hide uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Used to hide (laughs) that movie from us. Really? Yeah, she put it on the fridge so but we knew where it was it was on top of the fridge so we'd have to go
6: but you just can't reach it well yeah at that age we could. and you still can't reach it
4: i know, <laughs> I, know. I, need a, I need a chair why t2 specifically because it had a lot of language and we were like really young so how, how long wa- are we talking here oh gosh like this is back in the 90s i was born in 91 so <laughs> okay
6: so yeah that's was- the year the movie came out
0: Well yeah and, and didn't you want to watch it just so much more
1: yeah, because we weren't allowed it, you know. You have to watch it. So did it's you forbidden fruit? So did you watch it? Did you get? Did you finally uh, get oh, of that? Of course.
4: Oh, we watched it all the time, but she, <laughs> she hated us watching it. So she would hide it from us. All right. But uh, no, my thing was TV. Uh anytime I had to do homework, that was a thing. Like I would watch TV, and my mom would just get furious. Like you know, turn off the TV. Get your homework done. Uh, for me, it wasn't about going outside. I was always
1: outside. I jumped on my bike. And, hey, you turn on the TV. I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, a, there's a giant LG TV behind me, and there's a button underneath, uh, the, the at, like, at the bottom of the screen. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, Oh, <14. laughs>
2: well, There's not much of a story. Just, I, I never did my homework.
1: Or my mom would read me a book, and
4: I would find a toy, and I'd be playing with the toy instead of listening to my mom reading me a book when I was a child. That's just,
1: you
2: know. Yeah. It's like you need a fidget spinner or something like that to concentrate. Whatever
1: happened to the fidget spinner? I still have a couple of fidget spinners at home. Those are fun. Actually, I want mean, to dig those out.
2: Yeah, we just found one of ours the other day, and we all were playing with it. it. was kind of fun. It was a good little distraction. But this is the problem. Then you, if you eventually ever have kids, then you become who your mom and dad was, yelling at the kids to get outside. And I was laughing yesterday because the kids now have the headsets, you know, that they wear to play with with their friends. But they often just leave. They don't wear them. They just have them beside them, just to hear the audio. And you, at least once a day, you hear if it's not me yelling, like get off. You're, you need to go outside. You can hear someone. Else's mom or dad through the headset. <laughs> I said that was enough. What did I tell you? Get off and go outside. And I start laughing because it's basically we're all having the same the same battle and the same conversation. So yeah, I don't know. I don't I I kind of uh was it Jimmy Kimmel who did that thing with Fortnite and kids' obsession with the video game Fortnite and parents who would just shut the game off mid-game and the kids would just lose it like how they would lose it if you just walked in and shut the tv off or shut the gaming system off and they had no choice so i kind of like doing that once in a while mom i'm in a battle yeah i don't care (laughs) are you you physically going to die in this battle oh i just about one what one what is it if it's not a million dollars i don't care get outside
1: McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is on holidays. We're asking you to tell us, a, tell us about what your parents used to throw you outside for. Like, what were you doing? We were talking about video games earlier, how China is going to be limiting online gaming to three hours a week, one hour a day on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And, uh, like, I remember, Loren, for me, it was... Used to be, I guess, playing with my toys, and then I'd be watching TV too much, and then eventually it became video games. And uh, one moment in particular, it was a hot, hot summer day, and I had gone to Addie's Video in Transcona, I believe it was on Regent. I can't quite remember now, but I'm pretty sure it was on Regent Avenue, uh, like between Bond and Day, um, I think. And uh, I rented this game for Nintendo called Blaster Master. And by no means was it a classic, but it had cool graphics. And I just remember playing that for hours, and uh, my mom yelling at me, "Get outside! It's a beautiful day. It's too hot. I just want, <laughs> I just want to play my game." Uh, and I imagine this is, uh, as you pointed out, like parents, we grew up to Everywhere. become our parents Everywhere. and now you're yelling at your kids to get outside. Yeah,
2: get some fresh air have you been outside at all today like i say that all the time when i get off air and they're like it's 10 o'clock we just woke up i'm like well get outside but james also had another good one which is uh maybe something many of our listeners can relate to he texted to say that being a teen in the 70s i would spend hours in the rec room or my room listening to my albums or mi- mix- making mix making mixtapes for me and my friend I can still hear my parents especially my dad yelling at me to turn it down or turn it off and get outside. The mixtape, oh that would that was time consuming. That was a chore.
1: It, but it, it was it was a meaningful task. James, oh. good for you. I always I loved making mixtapes because once it was complete it felt like such an achievement. But it's funny how we as kids would resist those calls to get outside and then once you get outside you feel instantly better and oh. i still find that if i'm sitting in my apartment for hours on end watching tv i'm like i should get outside for a second to go sit outside in the balcony within five minutes i feel like a new person
2: oh absolutely and they do too they and then they're gone for hours right like once they're once they go i don't see them for a long time but sometimes getting them out there and myself included is a chore. It's like there's like a force field that if I touch it and open the door, I'll get blasted.
1: McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is off this week. Text message from Mick at 204-780-6868. Happy 46th CKND, a.k.a. Global Winnipeg. Mick says, I remember the day well. Sunday of the Labor Day weekend. With the sign-on preceding the 1975 Jerry Lewis Telethon, KCND Pemino signed off the following evening. Wow, much has changed in 46 years. Wish your TV colleagues a happy anniversary. Good memory from Mick. I think he sent us this uh, a text like this last year as well.
2: Yeah, 46 years old. CKND or Global is. You should run down the hallway and get them some cake, or just sing them this uh, terrible. Terrible song On Skinny Bob <laughs> Okay <laughs> Worst thing they ever put out <laughs> Really? Ah, just terrible
1: did, Forte did you know this? That Loren does not
2: hey, like On Skinny Bob <laughs> Mackling
4: loves this song Mackling loves the song
2: You know I actually offended. didn't Mind it And then they They were at the Grammys One year And they had Background singers That were like Bop 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 Like two like Choiry And I was done After that
4: <laughs> See, I'm not old enough to know that. Oh, I'm, you're too <laughs> <so> old, Loren. You're <laughs> so young.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. <laughs>
1: But Gary McNabb, Mackling, is back next week. Here's the headline at globalnews.ca and cjob.com. Hero mom punches mountain lion to save her five-year-old son, Loren.
2: I, and you sent this to me this morning, and I said, oh, my gosh, we have to talk about that because it speaks to just the things parents will do to for their kids, right? And so this happened in California, and it played out on the lawn of a home in, is it Calabasas? Am I saying that right? I, th- I believe you are. Okay, Calabasas, uh, California. And so there's this five-year-old boy playing on the front lawn when a 65-pound mountain lion pounced. The lion dragged him 45 yards across the lawn, according to Captain Patrick Foy, who's with the Fish and Wildlife Services in California. The lion might have killed the boy, but I guess the mom heard this commotion, came charging out of the house, according to this officer, and started punching and striking the mountain lion with her bare hands, to get the lion off of her son, and so they went on to describe this woman as a true hero who absolutely saved her son's life because he was taken to hospital, Brett, with injuries.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, injuries to his head, to his torso, and uh, they also informed authorities about the attack. and A wildlife officer immediately went to the home and found this mountain lion crouching in some bushes outside so uh they, they they the warden figures it was likely the attacking uh lion and to protect safety they shot and killed it on site
2: yeah this um like you know I, I, we don't have i don't think we have anything We have bobcats, I know, in Manitoba. I'm not sure if that's similar to a mountain lion. And someone's surely going to text me shortly to tell me how I don't know my lions from my bobcats. But in (laughs) any event, um, as if, you know, I've been for hikes before and you've thought to yourself, what would you do if a certain like there or other approach and how you would try to safely get out of there. And then what do you do if something's aggressive, right? And so this mom, kudos to her. I can just imagine that this is a scenario I, I wouldn't want to witness this attack, but at the same time, I, I wonder if there's any sort of a doorbell camera or other that could show what went down here, because it sounds like she just unleashed, mom hell on this mountain lion and uh the boy is now in stable condition.
1: It's also interesting to see the different kind of reaction, right? Like if, if the mountain lion had, if she had encountered the mountain lion just on her own, would she have uh, freaked out? Would she have been scared? Right. But when she comes out and sees her son is in jeopardy, then it's, it's all bets are off. Let's go time. Let's go. And I've always wondered like, what would I do if someone, i cared about was in that kind of distress whether it's at the in the grips of an animal or maybe like it be somebody being attacked by another person what would i do uh in this case i guess her instinct just took over and away she went and and good for her i mean that's just this is an amazing story uh because it's sad that the the cat had to be put down but um five-year-old boy losing his life to a wild animal that would be horrific news
2: Oh, just terrible. And just listener now saying a mountain lion has lived in South Winnipeg for, I don't w I might not even read this. This might be some sort of joke, joke I'm not getting. Cougars. <laughs> um, okay, there's a cougar joke, I think, coming in. I'm going to leave it there. I just about read something out loud. I'm like, hang on. Are we making fun of someone I'm not aware of here? Better stop myself.
1: McGarry and McNabb Mackling is back next week. We're going to talk about eyesight in a moment, but we told you the story of the hero mom who punched a cougar to save her five-year-old son in California. And, Loren, you were wondering, do we have mountain lions? Do we have cougars? in Manitoba, and we did get one joke about cougars, but uh, we had a whole bunch of text messages here. One listener says, we have lots of mountain lions in Manitoba, some in Bird's Hill. Uh, I said, for real? Oh. And this listener says, absolutely. More than 200 from North Dakota to north of Pinawa, Carmen, to Lake of the Woods. Uh, Matt says, there actually are cougars in Manitoba, not just at the Palomino or the Silver Spike Saloon, <laughs> like actual big cats. Uh, another listener says, there's been a cougar spot it in stonewall pretty recently and i believe in stony mountain even this morning and uh lewis says i live out in the riverton area we had a mountain lion come across our yard last fall oh. and multiple confirmed sightings throughout september last year tommy saying between portage La prairie and oakville so wow
2: so i just didn't know that that was an interchangeable word like mountain lion with cougar or apparently puma or pa- panther so that you can is it the same? That's is my question. Are they exactly the same? Okay. But, or are we just kind of, kind of putting them, lumping them all into the same big cat category? Big cat. It's a big cat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. But hey, thanks for weighing in. We appreciate it uh, when you guys uh, chime in with those bits. Cause uh, you know, we like to learn when we come into our, to do our job.
2: Like I said, I didn't know.
1: Yeah, and we got, we, you, you wondered how big is a bobcat compared to a mountain lion, and someone sent a size comparison on that as well. It looks like the mountain lion is about twice as big as a bobcat.
2: So wrong. Basically, everyone's, you're wrong on all fronts, Loren. You do not know your cats. <laughs>
1: Question of the day at cjob.com for Credit Aid. Helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Question is: Has screen time gone up in your household? And your options are: Yes, more TV. Yes, video games. Yes, computer slash cell phone. Yes, all of the above. Or no, I go outside more.
2: What's your answer?
1: Uh, for me, it would be more. It would be more TV. Actually, a combo: more TV or uh, computer slash phone.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I wouldn't...
1: don't. Uh, I don't play video games
2: anymore. No. No, in our house, it would be all of the above just because the kids in video games. But of course, a lot of us have admitted to spending more time, Brad, on screens during this pandemic, probably before the pandemic as well. We've talked about screen time a ton. And some studies have now shown that that could be contributing to a rise in children diagnosed with near sightedness. So we wanted to find out if this is actually happening. And Elisa Boroditsky is a partner with Four Eyes Optical and Transcona Optical and joins us this morning. Hi, Elisa.
5: Hi, thanks for having me.
2: Well, thanks for taking the time. First, just so I have this right, nearsightedness is when I can see stuff close to me but not far away. Is that right?
5: Yeah, exactly. Okay, so- okay
2: good. And, and are yeah. you seeing more of this?
5: Uh, so I can't say personally that I would say that there's a huge increase. Like, we do often see a lot of this in general, uh, especially back to school time. We're seeing, you know, a lot of kids in general. Um, and so that is one of the most common conditions that we do see in children now.
1: Uh, oh, by the way, Elisa, um, just so happens my doctor is at Four Eyes Optical and Transcon Optical, Dr. Melo. Uh, he, just, he takes good care of me. Uh, so why, why are we seeing uh, what we're seeing right now?
5: Uh, so there is some thought um, that being indoors, And also uh, lots of screen time, uh, being exposed to tablets and phones and devices, that that has an increased risk for nearsightedness. The the evidence is still a bit inconclusive, so we don't know exactly the details on it, but there is some thought that being indoors and screen time are contributing. Uh, So we know the more time that we can actually spend outside, the better.
2: Yeah, I think there's all sorts of parents that would say, yeah, they can agree with that. But it's, you know, it's easier said than done. And sometimes, you know, there's been it's been a year where kids have to have been on the screen with remote learning and all the rest. And so is there anything we should be watching for? Like, obviously, we should do our yearly checkup, Alisa, with our optometrist for us and our kids. But would we notice things, you know, is it squinting? Is it other signs that might lead, lead you to think, oh, wait, either my eyesight or my kid's eyesight isn't doing so well right now?
5: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, like you mentioned, eye exams are very important for adults and kids. Uh, And for kids, yeah, we do recommend an annual eye exam, which is covered by Manitoba Health. But the things that you could be noticing or they could be noticing is that they could start to squint uh, when looking at things that are far away. Some kids would complain of headaches. They may complain that their eyes are sore, having trouble seeing at night for adults, maybe when they're driving. Some kids will rub their eyes. Uh, but then there are kids that don't complain at all, and, and, you know, we just pick that up in a routine eye exam. So there's a, a whole variety of things that you can or, or may not notice.
2: If we so feel
1: so- – sorry, go ahead, Lauren.
2: No, I was just going to say – you- I was going to go the same road. If you feel like you have any of those things, like how quickly does that get diagnosed in terms of
5: uh, – does it go straight to glasses if that's the case? Well – It depends, I guess. It depends on the extent of it. So if we're talking about nearsightedness, so if there is a small amount of nearsightedness, then it becomes a discussion, you know, for kids or with adults uh, as to, you know, how that's impacting their their daily life. So if if it's minor, sometimes we we leave it, we watch and wait, um, we, you know, we follow up more soon. uh, But in general, if it is impacting their day-to-day life and their learning, then we will put them in glasses or even contacts.
1: I know that I held off. Uh, on a, I, I needed an appointment, uh, but during peak pandemic, I just decided to wait. Um, so is there any backlog right now for appointments?
5: Uh, not really at this point. Like after, you know, in the early part of the pandemic, we had quite a bit of backlog. You know, we were running sort of months behind after that first closer. But uh, now we've pretty much caught up, but, but still busy.
2: If we, um, we're not sure yet from the sounds of it, you know, there's been different studies that have talked about screen time contributing to myopia or or nearsightedness. And I know you were saying, you know, they're they're still working on that body of evidence. But is there a general trend, if we don't know the cause, is there a general trend overall to just see more of this, Lisa, in eyes of kids or adults?
5: Yeah, for sure. So right now, I think the thought is that about 30% of the Canadian population is nearsighted. Uh, And then there's sort of this expected that 50% of the world will be nearsighted by 2050. So there really is this huge trend towards this. And um, genetics play a big part in it because we know that if you do have a parent that is is myopic or nearsighted, that your risk goes up by 30% or there's a 33% chance, sorry, of of having nearsightedness. And if both parents are, then there's a 50% chance. So we're seeing these numbers go up and up. And then with uh, the potential increase due to indoor time and screen time and, you know, reading, uh, that risk is going to go up even more.
1: Alisa Boroditsky, a partner with Four Eyes Optical, which is on Corridan, and Transcona Optical on Regent. Thank you very much uh, for joining us, Alisa. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. Thank you very much for joining us on The Start. We have banjo bowl tickets to give away. We're giving them away at 9.15 based on your stories of when your parents would throw you out of the house because you're playing video games, reading too much, watching too much TV, whatever. Len made me laugh when he texted to say, Good morning. I guess I am old because my parents would yell at me when I would get home, not to get me out. <laughs> so just, just all you had to do was come home, and then yell at him. <laughs> Never mind, just you're home too much. Uh, so, Len, thank you for that. So keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win, and we'll give those away just after nine fifteen. In the meantime, we want to switch gears here uh, because, as we mentioned earlier, today is an important day. 22 times per day, the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service gets a call from someone who is struggling with the after effects, even an overdose from alcohol or drugs. While booze regularly tops the list as the chief complaint, there is a real surge this year in both meth and opioid-related calls for help.
2: Yeah, and that number you just gave out 22 times per day. That's just the average, right? So thousands of times per year, WFPS is going out. Hospitals are seeing this. Treatment centers are seeing this. And the numbers are pretty stark, Brett. So in all of 2020, all of last year, there were 1,458 math related calls. To date this year... WFPS has already seen 1300. And there's still four months of the year left to go. And we know opioids are a big part of the problem. 400 opioid or fentanyl calls in 2019. So far this year, more than 1100. So that's nearly triple the number of calls that they got for fentanyl just two years ago. It's up from last year as well. And so we know there are a lot of big concerns for people who are both struggling with this, but people who are also trying to help. And Steve Lowe is the president of the Aurora Recovery Centre. He's also one of the center's therapists and joins us now this morning. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time. There's been all sorts of numbers that have shown a rise in use this year and also a rise in overdose related deaths. Today is International Overdose Awareness Day. What are you seeing and hearing at Aurora Recovery Centre? Are there increased calls or asks for help from Manitobans?
7: Uh, yeah, actually there, there are. Uh, for, you know, we're very concerned about the, the skyrocketing number of, of deaths due to overdose in the province. Uh, we, you know, in, in our experience, we've had uh, an increase in, in calls for people uh, looking for any, any services uh, that they can access uh, uh, from either individuals themselves who are struggling, uh, from loved ones, families who are are aware uh, of someone in, in their life struggling. We've had calls from uh, individuals who actively are using drugs, who you know lost a friend uh, last night uh, due to an overdose, and so uh, yeah, lots and in, uh, an increase in in calls in general, uh, just looking for any resources.
1: Uh, A buddy of mine works for, uh, he does 911 dispatch, and he was telling me that sometimes the emergency crews will have to deal with the same person for overdose calls multiple times a day. Because they, 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 I believe that one of the drugs that's a problem is purple down. It's that mix of heroin and fentanyl. And I think they had to to respond to the same person four times in one day uh, because this person had overdosed and was on the verge of death. Um, When you have people who are in that kind of a situation who maybe don't want the help, because we're all, I also hear that sometimes they get mad when they are they use naloxone on them to bring them back. They get mad because their high is gone. So you have right. some people who are so hopelessly addicted to these drugs that they would rather stay high than have their life saved.
7: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, like you're saying, I, I've had conversations with first responders who it, it's very difficult for them. I mean, it's, it's, it seems like a, a never ending battle. And, uh, and for them, you know, the, the stress that that, uh, that they have for, like you say, going out and, and reviving the same person in on one shift multiple times. It's, um, it, yeah, it's, it's very difficult for everybody.
2: Kind of speaks to Steve the tentacles of addiction, right? In terms of the lives that it touches. So, of course, there's people on the front line. There's the family members. I think I just heard you say in, in your first answer that did you say you had lost a friend to an overdose last night?
7: No. I, what I was saying was we get calls from people who who okay. you know are actively using who said, "Geez, my friend died last night. Now I'm consuming. What do I? What can I do? What, what are you know? What, what do I need to watch right. out for?" And so it's just more and more of those kinds of, uh, of calls.
2: I was curious because I think one of the misconceptions and we talked a lot about meth a few years ago and before that we did talk about fentanyl and it seemed like fentanyl it didn't go away but it was sort of in the shadows for a bit and it's it's seen a real resurgence and there's just all sorts of different issues out there and you know one of the things we heard on our text line and from listeners is that oh well this is not my problem or my neighborhood's problem you know that's a, a you know downtown issue issue or it's for Winnipeg's most vulnerable but it's it's everywhere what kind of uh, different you know people are they, are you know, working manitobans people from the suburbs small towns is it is it hitting everyone
7: that's right Ex- exactly yes it is yeah it, it's it's no longer uh you know that it, it, i mean that that um that perception that it's only the people on the street or uh the homeless people or the, it, it, that's not true i mean we we have people if i were to take a snapshot of who we have in our facility right now there's there's anyone from uh, you know someone who has been living on the streets for some time to uh, executives who who have uh, you know long-standing careers and uh, and everybody in between. I mean, it, it doesn't discriminate.
1: Also, if somebody um, maybe thinks they have a problem but they're not sure, um, what would you suggest to that person if they if they if they kind of want to reach out? Because I think that sometimes people might just be scared. To, to reach out because that the, then they have to admit something that could be difficult about themselves.
7: That's right, yeah. And and I always encourage anybody I speak with to if you're even if you're even uh, considering that or even wondering that, uh, pick up the phone, call call uh, call a place like us, call some of the resources in the province, and and just have a conversation, uh, talk about what what your what your concerns are, what you're worried about, and and uh, it, it's just important to to have the conversation, and only then are, are, are folks going to learn about the, 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 uh, the, the resources that are available to them.
2: We talk a lot about uh drugs. They sort of grab the attention because sometimes it becomes with maybe meth related crimes or we know the use of naloxone Brett mentioned to you know, fire paramedics having to administer that potentially life-saving drug for fentanyl use. And we talk about the harder drugs. But again, we you know, at seven oh seven I was sharing some numbers, Steve. And again, for our listeners just joining, we're speaking with Steve who's president of the Aurora Recovery Center. Alcohol regularly tops consistently tops the list of chief complaints for first responders. What do you you know? What do you see at your center when it comes to the people who are struggling with drug addictions versus alcohol addictions? Is alcohol use still rampant and a big concern?
7: Yes, like you're saying, it it still tops the charts. Uh, if we look at our data, the the um, you know, alcohol is still number one. Uh, opioids and and meth are are uh, are battling with each other for second and third. Uh, so yeah, alcohol has always been and. Um, you know, at at the top of the charts for for any treatment center that I've been involved
1: with. Steve Lowe is the president of the Aurora Recovery Center, joining us live on 680 CJOB on this International Overdose Awareness Day. Steve, thank you very much uh, for taking the time to join us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. So I I learned of something last week as it pertains to McDonald's, and it's led to ultimate disappointment for me, Loren. (laughs) Now, I will say I will commend, this is kind of a masterstroke of marketing here, um, because I'm, so many people were talking about McDonald's over the last f- couple of days. Like, for example, here's a tweet from someone I know who says, it better be pizza and it better be full of the 1990s preservatives we know and love.
5: Because <laughs>
1: on uh, Friday, McDonald's Canada sent out this mysterious tweet in all caps saying, the thing you have been asking for arrives August 31st. And even their their cover Photo on Twitter was just the date. Well, they have at I think it was five fifteen this morning. They send out this headline: McDonald's Canada brings the heat north of the border with the introduction of spicy chicken McNuggets. I don't know. I didn't even know that was a thing. I certainly wasn't asking for that. I'm very yeah. disappointed. I was I was hoping. I know a lot of people were hoping for the pizza. Yeah. some were hoping for McRib, and not chicken McNuggets that are spicy.
2: No, I can spice my nuggets up myself. Thank you very much with some dip. So no, I need that pizza. I wanted that sweet combo from the eighties. Brandon Manitoba had the pizza and, uh, you'd get that pizza, little mini pizza and some fries. And there's nothing good about either of those things for you. And they were delicious together. So you sent that out. And I thought, what? It's, it's like, it's like us doing a concert announcement, Brad, like at nine o'clock, the <laughs> band that's finally reuniting. And everyone's like, Oh my God, like, like R.E.M. or even Destiny's Child or you're like (laughs) thinking of all these things and then we're like drum roll it's (laughs) Hanson like that's 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 basically what I mean don't get me wrong I loved me some Hanson back in the day had their tape and everything Mm -hmm. but that's what McDonald's has done to us got our hopes up and then they came out with chicken I just don't think you can get excited about chicken Yeah, you mentioned that.
1: Well, and we'll circle back to the McDonald's and stuff in a moment here. But you said that in our text thread yesterday. uh, Don't try to convince me to get excited about chicken. Now, is that because you worked at Chicken Terry's? Did you were you just exposed to too much chicken? Too
2: much chicken, and and again, like I I love like we do beer butt chicken all the time. I like chicken in my pasta. Chicken's a staple here. It's not like I don't eat it. And like it, and I and I even like the fried chicken. But there was a time there where I had to walk away from chicken, like a good six (laughs) to seven years, because we cooked the fried chicken at Chicken Terry's, and you had to, you know, you had to clean it and put it in the dough and then put it in the steamer, and your face would be all hot and sweat. Those things are like pressure cookers extraordinaire. It was stressful. I was always convinced they were going to blow up and kill me. It's all this fat boiling, so I just I had to walk away from chicken. So that's why I'm annoyed with this chicken nugget announcement from from McDonald's.
1: Yeah, and it's funny, too, how, how emotional people get about this stuff. Like, the the pizza is remembered so fondly. I don't know why I never tried the pizza. I don't know if it's because my parents tried it and hated it or and, and just said, don't eat it, you won't like it, or if I just was that finicky. Because I know I was a finicky, uh, like, the, when we used to go to Red Top, when I was a little kid, the only thing I would eat was like bacon toast sandwich and nothing else on it. I think just bacon and toast. Uh, so maybe at McDonald's I would only eat the one thing, but so many people like Mackling was saying for what it, for what it was,
8: That's
2: right.
1: it was really good.
2: That's I think that I think it's because, and this is also, we're also thinking of like 1980s prices or early 1990s. I think it's because for a combo that was like five or six bucks, That included the tiny pizza. We got excited about that. I don't even. I bet you, if they brought back that exact same thing, there'd be a ton of us also feeling the same way we are about the nuggets. Like wah wah, you know, not as good as I remember.
1: Yeah, for me, I I wish they would bring back. It was known first as the superhero burger. Uh, later known as the Hockey Hero Burger. It was a three-patty burger on this little, like, mini hoagie bun that first came out in June of 1995. I remember this specifically because that's when you probably would— that would have been when we both graduated from high school, Loren. And uh, it was in conjunction with the movie Batman Forever. uh, And then they later turned it into a hockey promotion, and I think there were even hockey cards. Uh, That one, I remember— uh, other people were hoping for the McRib. I've never had a McRib. Have you had a McRib?
2: No, and I don't. I don't want a fast food place making my ribs. I don't know why, I, and, and I don't even like ribs that much. So now I'm just some sort of rib snob for no reason. <laughs> I don't know
1: why. <laughs>
0: They're messy. <Nick> knows,
2: <laughs> they are messy. They don't work in a car, like that, which is where you eat the bulk of. Yeah, you know, I just don't get it.
1: So let us know, the spicy chicken McNuggets, is that something that excites you? Is this what you were asking for? Or were you looking for some Destiny's
2: Child reuniting? Huh?
1: <laughs> yes. Hanson or Destiny's Child, which do you prefer? Gosh, uh, that's a tough call. You should make that a poll question. Oh, yeah? You you should put that on your Twitter. Make it a poll. Or put it on your Instagram.
2: Oh, Is this where you want to hear, I don't know how? i want to be better brett i really do but (laughs) hey it's a lot we don't throw a lot (laughs) of balls in the air He, he yells it in my ear 16, McNabb, you got it. Yeah, 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 I got it. And then 20 seconds later, I do not have this under control.
1: (laughs) We have banjable tickets to give away, and this was a tough choice uh, because we got a last-second entry, but we're going to stick with Lorraine for the win, but Lorraine Paul... Uh, sent a pretty cool story on the talking about tell us a time when your parents threw you out because you were, you know, you're inside too much.
2: Yeah. So Paul said, My story goes back to when the Summer Olympics were on TV. I was a teen at the time, lying on the couch watching every event. My mom comes to me and says, Get outside, go do something, stop lying on the couch. <laughs> so. I decided to grab my 12-speed bike, go to my old school, and ride around the track like they did in the Olympics. It was a hot, sunny day, and I was going lap after lap. I was getting tired looking down at the track. So as I was going around the track, there was a 4- to 5-inch limp to get up. And with my super narrow racing tires, I hit the lip, flew off my bike about 10 feet in the air, no helmet on, landed on my shoulder, and broke my collarbone. Uh. I sat there in pain, wondering how I would get home because I couldn't even stand up. A stranger running around the track helped me up, took my bike to his car, came back for me and drove me home, never to be seen again. I'm so thankful for him. That's the story from Paul. I'm curious if Paul then went to his mom and said, this is what happens when you go outside.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, he, he went on to say, after all that, I went to the hospital and was back on the couch for eight to 10 weeks in severe pain. Thanks, mom. <laughs>
2: I didn't see that follow up. That's great, Paul. Thank you.
1: That's an awesome story, Paul. But Lorraine had both Lorraine and I in stitches. She says, I was born in the mid 50s, so there were no video distractions. Growing up on the farm, my siblings and I spent a lot of time outside. I remember only one time our parents told us to go outside if we dared to fart in front of others we had to go out and go walk around the hydro pole in the middle of the yard i I don't know why the hydro pole but there it is if she says i hate to admit it but i use this with my kids i love
2: it as well the hydro pole is central in a lot of farmyards in in ours, it went was the the pole was in the middle, and then it, you know, of course, connected to the house, and so it was like the it's where you did all things. It'd be like laps around the hydro pole. It was also one of the bases in baseball. You tried to th- throw things around it, like it tied things to it. I don't know why farm. You got to make up stuff. Congratulations, Lorraine! You're going to the Banjo Bowl.
1: McGarry and McNabb Mackling is back next week. Loren, I went to visit my dad a couple of days ago, and he says, did I hear correctly, Loren reads four or five books in a weekend?
2: Yeah, uh, sort of. He heard sort of. I mean, he heard, that's what I said, because I had just returned from a weekend at the lake in the rain. So if everything lines up, you know, there's a three-hour drive each way, so that's a book each way sometimes, or a half a book, depending on you know the length. And then if it's rainy, you got more time, less 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 pressure to, to do things and so yeah, I can read that many. It depends on the book, and I do speed read some of them. So they and some of them are just nonsense, but sure, I that's that sometimes happens on a weekend.
1: Well, we've got a new book for you to read, Loren. Here is the official description. From the author of the Scotiabank Giller Prize winning The Bishop's Man comes a powerful new novel about lies, betrayal, and the delusions we cling to. No one is more dangerous to us than our own lovers and friends. The Winter Wives is a thrilling new psychological drama that weaves together threads of crime, disability, and dementia into a tale of unrequited love and delusion.
2: Amazing description, and the author behind it is Lyndon McIntyre, best-selling, multiple award-winning author, and of course, many will remember his career in broadcast journalism as Lyndon spent 24 years as the co-host of The Fifth Estate, which won 10 Gemini Awards for his work. Lyndon joins us now. Good morning.
8: Good morning. That's a lot of stuff you've just been talking about there.
2: (laughs) We got a lot of stuff in there, Lyndon, and we do want to talk about your book, of course, but... I have to ask: You retired from journalism years ago, or a few years ago, rather. And with all the talk, uh, you know, U.S. election up here in Canada of fake news over the past few years, I'm curious if you actually still miss being a journalist.
8: I, I miss the I miss the storytelling. I miss a lot of the colleagues that I worked with. Uh, a lot of uh, the uh, the confusion uh, that that uh, is mostly a result of the proliferation of uh, of uh, platforms uh, i guess is the word that they use and uh, and social media and all that stuff it does create a, a very difficult environment for being for journalism and, and you can see it happening now in in the ongoing federal election campaign i'm not am not sorry to miss that for example and i'm not sorry to miss the sort of the, the you know the the public reaction to everything now that is instantaneous and and in many cases kind of vile uh, and I don't miss that, so uh, I'm kind of happily sheltered from all that stuff in my garret, uh mm-hmm. contemplating big ideas and and writing books and uh, and, uh, and and I'm pretty happy doing that
1: well, and just wanted to follow up on the social media comment, so do you think it's social media is? And this is it's maybe not so black and white here, but is it, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing as it pertains to journalism and the sharing of news?
8: I'll give you a political answer. I think it's both. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing that people have a, a release valve for an awful lot of stuff that get, gets bottled up, and 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 becomes sort of unhealthy when it's bottled up. I think it's a uh, I think it's a, a a bad thing in the sense that. Uh, people have uh, an instant venting mechanism for uh, things that perhaps should be re- reconsidered. Uh, before you know it, you're dashing off an abusive, angry uh, comment on something or other. Whereas in earlier times, uh, you had to go to a lot more trouble. You had to find something to write with. You had to write it. You had to take it to the post office in some cases. Yeah, you had, you, had you had to go through a process that gave you lots of time to think twice. And, and there's an awful lot of getting, getting out there now that is just right off, of the shooting from the hip, and and it has an impact, as crazy as it may seem. Uh, at, at, when you look at it, it has an impact on people who who make public uh, policy decisions, people who write the news, uh, and people who sort of think a little bit. These, these things uh, are, are they do have a great influence that, in many cases, is quite unfortunate.
2: Yeah. It can be hurtful in the end, no matter what you're writing about or what you're targeting. You,
8: you you obviously, uh, people in your line of work, I'm sure you get a lot of uh, stuff that you'd rather not have to think about. I mean, you you don't, especially women in in, in the media are, are are frequent targets for the most vile kind of abuse. So I, uh, this is, I don't know what you do, but I don't know how you filter that. I don't know how you control it. And, um, it's just something that we have to live with, and I think it's, it's, it gets, it's a toxic effect in our society.
2: It's why it might be nice, Lyndon, to, you know, uh, the w- world is so complicated right now, and of course that's easy to say it's been like that for a long, long time, I and mean, we go into these stretches of good and bad and evil and all the rest, but it's why I read, I think, so much now because I am looking for that escape uh, from all the things that are going on in the news cycle or other. And so let's talk about your books. Uh, your first novel was The Long Stretch. That was in 1999. And the Giller Prize winning book released in 2009. You wrote two more novels over the next five years, all while you were still in a journalist. I'm curious. I-, I can barely find the time to read unless I said, like I said, I'm in the car or in a rainy weekend. So how did you find the time to start writing novels? What?
8: Well, I'm uh, I'm one of those rare individuals that actually wakes up early and and uh, my brain kicks in fairly quickly. So I used to, I invented a cliche that I can get more done between five and nine than I can between nine and five. And uh, and if it wasn't for that gift, uh, I would never have written a book because you're quite right. I mean journalism eats your soul and it eats your time and it keeps you on the run, especially TV journalism where you where I had to travel an awful lot. Fortunately, I can, I can write on an, on an airplane in the backseat of a car. I can write in a hotel room. I can do it, you know, wherever. And I can do it early, very early in the morning. And and that has enabled me. It's interesting. You know, I often tell people who want to write books, don't think about writing a book. Think about a page. I want to sit down in the morning. I'm not going to tell myself, hey, man, you're you're working on a book here. I want to try and get a page written. And if you do that 400 times, you got a book. But the minute you start you look, you look at, it's like the, the old poem about the centipede. The minute you, you start, the centipede starts figuring out how do I use all these legs? How do they work? He stops. He, he can't move. So the minute I start thinking I've got this big book project, oh, my God, uh, I, I, I'm paralyzed. So uh, th- that's just one of the little secrets I discovered. You sit down and say, today, oh, I, might not, I might write one sentence. I might write a paragraph. I might write a page. And maybe some days I'll get up without having thought about it and I'll have written 10 or 15 pages. But that's just the way the system, the, the process works.
1: Our guest is Lyndon McIntyre, award-winning broadcast journalist and award-winning author. And you're here today to talk about your new book, The Winter Wives. And that line in the description, no one is more dangerous to us than our own lovers and friends. I got to tell you, that, that hit me kind of like a ton of bricks because that's a pretty powerful line. Uh, when you, especially when you start thinking about it, when you think about the people who have hurt you nine times out of ten, they were probably really close to you.
8: Yes, and they are people that you you thought you knew really well a a delusion that we often uh get into as very young people is the notion that I know this person better than he knows himself, and one of the characters in the book uh has that idea in her head. she knows the um, one of the male characters better than he knows himself, and of course he reciprocates by thinking that he knows her better than she knows herself. So you go through life, you form relationships on the basis of knowing somebody awfully well. But in every relationship, every relationship uh, over time is a a process of discovery, learning new things about people you thought you knew everything about. And and a lot of the the new things you learn come as a surprise or a shock and and a lot of these discoveries challenged the relationship and certainly challenged the presumption at the beginning of a relationship that you really 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 knew this person. And then you have to reevaluate the the the, the relationship. Now some of these discoveries can happen slowly over time, some of them can happen really suddenly because of an accident or an or an illness. And in this particular book uh Revelations come as a result of, of dementia, onset of dementia. In one case, uh, uh, the character's mother uh, gets Alzheimer's. Uh, he thinks he's got uh, early onset Alzheimer's starting up, uh, and his business partner and, and best friend has a stroke that leaves him on the slide into a dement- demented state. So, these things create crises in relationships, crises in business, crises in marriages. And everybody is suddenly faced with the, you know, the, the reality that you don't know anybody except what that person wants you to know about them. And, and when you start making discoveries in spite of the best efforts of, of your friend to, to hide behind uh, some sort of a, a smokescreen, um, you're going to find out things that you'd, you'd rather not know.
2: I'm curious how often you might get asked the question I'm about to ask, Lyndon, which is, is any of this drawn from your personal life in this novel?
8: Well, personal, professional, I think all novels, all fiction comes from the world of reality. It, it has to, because otherwise nobody's going to be terribly, in- I mean, there's fantasy fiction, but it's—it's it's a it's a particular genre. But most fiction comes from the world of reality, and of course, it has to come from the, the lives and, and, and experiences of, of the person who's writing it because you, you make so much stuff up, but, but, but what you're using your imagination for is to create composites uh, or to collapse a, a bunch of different experiences that you've either had yourself or that you're aware of into, into certain scenarios that, that uh, at, at the end of the day will add up to a, a dramatic story. But it's all, it's all, it's all factually based, uh, one way or another, uh, as a journalist, I met a huge number of interesting people in a huge number of interesting situations. Uh, and, uh, and I came away from journalism, even when I was in journalism. You know, we, we all know that, that, that journalism is sort of the top layer of, of experience. It's, it's the top layer of what's happening. And the journalist is left with all the, the subterranean layers that you carry around in your head. Some of them will make you sick. Some of them will make you crazy. Some of them will make you laugh. And some of them will, 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 will create an itch that can only be satisfied or scratched by reprocessing the stuff in, in the form of literature or nonfiction books or whatever or lectures <laughs> or academic pursuits.
1: Lyndon McIntyre, he is the author of The Winter Wives. It's available now. Lyndon, thank you very much for joining us this morning. This has been a real pleasure.
8: Oh, thanks for the chat. I enjoyed it.
1: 947 on 680 CJOB with McGarry and McNabb. I've got the book in my hand, Loren, so I will set this aside. I just uh,
2: texted you to send it my way if <laughs> if, uh, if I could get dibs on it. Otherwise, I'm going to order it myself. Uh, to add to the intrigue in this story, it's a fictional, but these two friends marry sisters. So there's also that twist in it. And I'm just, I'm fascinated to see where this goes. Who's the, the bigger jerk? Someone's got to be.
1: Okay. Well, you might have to fight with Greg over this because I don't know if He's he had there. claimed on it. Yeah. So if you come get it like this week, uh, then it's problem solved. Right?
2: Hmm. I just feel like I should get dibs anyway, but okay. We can work on this.
1: Hey, as far as I'm concerned, it's yours. <laughs> but if Macklin has something else to say when he comes back, then you two can duke it out. I and- feel
2: like he's going to text me any second now, having listened to this,
1: so. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think,